Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, joined by co-host Aaron Keller on Zoom. We also have our big game biologist, Cody McKee, and we are so excited. We have a special guest today. Where do I even begin with introducing you? You are a voice for public land hunters in America. You have two TV shows, podcasts web forum and more randy newberg randy thank you so much for being here oh thank you all for having me i'd do anything for you guys i you know my connections to nevada make it such a a dear and and cherished cherished place for me uh the only thing i wish is that you guys had more tags (laughs) (laughs) you you guys you don't hear that 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 comment very often do you Pretty much no, every call I get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for having me on. I'm sitting here in Park City, Utah today. At Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is having their summer. They call it Mountain Summit and Elk Camp. So I'm sitting here for that. And the World Elk Calling Championship is going on right below me in the parking lot of this hotel. So if I look funny wearing these headphones, I apologize. But it's trying to keep all the bugling noise from picking up in the background. Yeah, no, we were saying if that does pick up, that's completely fine because this podcast is going to be airing during our Elk Week celebration, which we'll be pushing out elk elk content on social media. So that's actually perfect and very fitting. And when we were deciding on a guest for Elk Week, Cody and Aaron both agreed Randy Newberg would be perfect. So Randy, <laughs> why do you think that they chose you as our perfect guest for Elk Week? <laughs> that, I have no, no idea other than I'm one of those lucky people who get to go and do quite a bit of my own elk hunting, but I get to help a lot of other people, a lot of guests, a lot of friends, family members uh, with the content that we produce. It's all about instructional content trying to connect people to these conservation messages to these landscapes through the experience of hunting and we always feel that the more people know hopefully the more uh, success they have the more success they have the more connected they feel and the more they'll advocate for wild places and wild things so uh i i'm just so lucky to get to go do a lot of it so maybe that's why my name popped up it's, cert- it's certainly not because I'm uh, anything that, you know, uh, uh, what do they say? I got a radio voice. I'm not even, or a radio face. I'm not even sure I have a radio face. <laughs> well, well, we appreciate I, everything you do. Cody, what were you going to say? Uh, well, I was going to say, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself, although um, I think we were hoping Randy would break out his bugle at some point and show, show us novices how it's done. <laughs> Well, my buddy Corey Jacobson, who I do the Elk Talk podcast with, he's right down there. I can see him in the parking lot. He's, uh, what is he, like 10-time world champion? So if you guys want that, Corey will be more than glad to come and do it for you. But I'm not your guy. And then... Yeah, we uh, were... uh, The the way that you keep it real is uh, very refreshing, Randy. 
Well, I I appreciate that. You know, we we think there's a lot of lessons to be told through struggle and challenge and what some would call failure. But every time I you know mess up an encounter or I go on a hunt and we don't fill a tag, to me that's just like more notes in the in the journal to learn from. I I don't view any day out in the field or out in the hills as as a failure. Every day is just you know little bit more knowledge a little bit more uh, experience that gets me closer to success the next time so you know i know we have a lot of things we want to talk about today but i i think that's a really good point that you know even somebody like randy that's super experienced elk hunter he's been to a lot of places that i'll probably never get to see but it's he's constantly learning um and and trying to be better you know you, you just you never you're never going to be perfect at what you do, but you, you, you're constantly looking for ways that you can improve. Yeah. And all of you being specialists in your fields, you understand that you, you follow this path and the more you think, you know, really with that comes a realization of how little, you know, and how big this body of knowledge is that you'll probably never even know a 10th of it. I, I've, it's it's humbling uh you know elk are such amazing species in in all ways the habitats that they occupy the the ability for them to smell to see to hear to gain a thousand feet of elevation in about three minutes and us mere mortals we just look at them and say man i wish i could do that so it's it's a lot of fun to go do that and I love just the resources that you provide to people. I think a lot of people listening already know who you are, but for those who don't, can you tell us some of the different programs you have, like your TV show, your, if sure. people are listening, they're like, well, I want to know how to go out and do that after listening to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with, the, you know, this is a podcast. So I produce two podcasts, one, since it, we're talking elk. I do the Elk Talk podcast with Corey Jacobson, and that's a very instructional podcast. We take viewer comments and viewer questions, and we try to answer them to the best of our knowledge, knowing full well that if you ask 10 hunters the same question, expect about 18 answers. Uh, but the Elk Talk podcast, the feedback is that people find it very helpful because it's it's heavy on instruction. I have the Hunt Talk radio podcast. I have a large YouTube channel, uh, Randy Newberg Hunter. Uh, we have a subscription channel for streaming video called Fresh Tracks Plus. We, you can download our stuff on Amazon Prime, uh, the normal social media stuff. And then we have a very large forum called the Hunt Talk Forum or hunttalk.com where we, it's where a lot of biologists, scientists, policymakers, and a lot of hunters hang out and we talk about the issues affecting us, anything from drought to invasive species to policy to whatever. So uh, I get the, I feel blessed that I get the benefit of all those smart people out there who share information. And so that's, uh, that's where people can, can find me if they're looking for me. Pretty much just Google Randy Newberg and it all comes <laughs> right Oh uh, um, yeah. When I was a student at UNR, do they still call it UNR or is it now called the University of Nevada? UNR. Yep. All right. Okay. So 
I was a, a UNR student from 1986 through 1989. Uh, if you would have told me at that time that I'd get the benefit and the pleasure of doing the things I do in, in my adult life, I could have never dreamed it because I got an accounting degree and I went to work for a firm there in Reno called Grant Thornton down on Center Street. Um, stayed there and, and worked and uh, then I eventually ended up in Montana and I've been there for 31 years now and uh, anytime I get the chance so I, I come back to Nevada because you guys do such a remarkable job with the landscapes you have being the most arid state in the in the nation it's quite remarkable how how much opportunity you are able to provide in what most would call pretty marginal landscapes so thanks for for all the great work you guys do of course we're glad yeah, to thank have you. you coming back <laughs> like i said you, you you issue more tags and the odds of me being able to come back are a little bit higher each time so well if anybody's listening right now everyone should start the rain dance and they shouldn't stop until <laughs> probably about 10 years from now and we could we could really uh, change things on the landscape yeah and that that's where i was spoiled you know that period when i lived in nevada was a very very wet cycle uh mm -hmm. i remember i think it was the winter of 85 that the where i was living in carson city the streets flooded main street you know flooded that year it rained so hard in february and march and so like so many things in an arid environment oh it's like add water and mix right mm -hmm. <laughs> there were mule deer everywhere pronghorn were popping up everywhere it's like whoa well that all good things don't last forever so it started drying out a few years later and you guys have have had those challenges and it's remarkable how many elk you guys are able to put on the landscape given what habitat constraints you have all the other competing interests you've got horses you've got you know you got to have the the respect and appreciation for the public land grazing community you you but somehow you guys are doing it and uh, that's why everybody wants to draw that Nevada elk tag, right? You, I would yeah, say I mean, it's... you guys have the most coveted elk tags in the nation, for sure. So before we got on, we were all talking. We did not tell Randy to say that. That's that's I, coming straight from him. I know. I'm like, Randy, do you want to come and do my job as PIO at end now? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I mean, just look at what the non-resident demand for your tags are. I mean, you, you guys do a really good job of adjusting them based on what your surveys and all your harvest data and your herd data is telling you. And the non-resident demand for your tags is so high. And it's not just because people want to travel to Nevada. It's because they understand what it, one the great hunt you have in terms of the age class of animals, the amount of public land you have, and the experience you're going to have because it's not going to be one of those real crowded experiences. So, no, not at all. Yeah, and that's a term we throw around a lot is hunt quality. And I think as biologists here in the state, I mean, that's, you know, aside from, you know, what, what's affecting our populations and um, how our animals are responding to all the stressors on the landscape. You know, we want to make sure that we're providing that hunt, ex that hunt quality and, and experience is a huge part of that. Um, we do get complaints about crowding, but in general, there's, there's not many guys out there in the field. So 
I don't know when the last time was I ran into another hunter on a, on a tag. Um, it's at least been a, been a couple cycles. So, uh, people, people do have, have it pretty good here. I, I would say. Well, since Aaron and Ashley are probably the ones who get the brunt of those emails, the next time you get emails about too much crowding, send those emails my way. I'll send them, <laughs> I'll send them some pictures and video and that, that should take care of their, you know, everything's relative, right? Uh, as someone who's lucky who gets to hunt pretty much the entire West, Nevada is the least crowded state when it comes to hunting by a long, long margin. It's good to hear you say that. And I will definitely take you up on that offer. <laughs> my emails. <laughs> well, that actually gets us through 12 minutes already. That's crazy. So we are through the first half of the podcast, but I feel like we still have a lot to get into. We will be right back after this quick break. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Randy Newberg. We also have our big game staff specialist, Cody McKee. And Randy, you, I always hate when we go to break because we continue talking and um, it's very interesting things and relevant things that we're talking about during break. So do you want to mention what you had told us about how things have changed since you were here in Nevada? Yeah, I have this unique uh, seat to view Nevada from. Uh, and what I mean by that is when I lived there for six years, it was during the period when Nevada was starting to introduce elk over by Ely. And this is a long time ago. So I'm, I'm going by recall, uh, Cody, uh, Aaron, maybe you guys can confirm if my memory is good. But I think the first elk management plan I read in Nevada had a statewide population objective of 3000 elk or somewhere near that yeah if that, you, it, <clears throat> randy yeah if you combine the sub plans it would have been right around there it was it was not very many elk yeah and so i move away and uh, then i keep an eye on nevada i keep applying there as a non-resident all of a sudden non-residents are starting to get more and more tags and now i look at your current plan uh what you're managing for and not just in total numbers but the different places you've allowed elk to expand to and I, I'm aware enough to know how many competing interests you have in Nevada because you don't own that habitat, right? You, you, it's mostly federal land where this is happening. So you've got all the multiple use mandates of, you know, grazing, you got minerals, you've got general recreation, you got motorized issues. And to see you guys, I, I don't know, you, you'd have to tell me what your current objective is. For some reason, I thought your statewide population objective was between 12 and 15,000 or something like that. But Yeah, it's, a, it's right around 14 to 15,000. Okay. I mean, you think about that. Is there any other state in the West in the last 30 years that has done such a good job that they could have a four to five X increase in their statewide population objectives? I don't know of any. <laughs> maybe uh, I can't think Kentucky, of maybe, but 
Most so, states are probably going the opposite direction. A yeah. lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. So having the seed of being able to watch it from afar now and, and having all these other states to compare to, that's why I'm such a, uh, in such amazement of what you guys have been able to do in Nevada with the, the real margin, I'd call it marginal habitat with water being such a constraint for you guys. Uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Well, it's, it's easy as a biologist to try and take credit for all that work, but that was a lot of the big, big move movers and shakers were 20 years ago and they really helped us make great strides to where we're at today. You know, and it, it, we have to mention too, just the, the cooperation among private landowners and um, those early visionaries for elk management in the state really considered a lot of the various aspects that might be affecting landowners as well as introducing programs to really help us buy tolerance. Because if we didn't have tolerance from a lot of those landowners, I don't think that we would have the elk resource that we do right now because face it, private properties tend to be in Nevada tend to be located in really highly productive riparian corridors which also happens to be elk candy in the middle of summer <laughs> yeah an elk in an alfalfa field can uh, a herd of elk especially can <laughs> can bring with it a lot of unwanted uh, ben yeah. uh, uh damages so absolutely randy do you have any favorite hunting stories in nevada you oh, talk so highly of elk hunting here. I want to hear your experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have so many favorite stories in Nevada. To, you, you would need a five-hour podcast to touch on part of them. Uh, I probably would have said my pronghorn tag in the Sheldon that I drew in 2007. Uh, but then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, okay. When I drew my elk tag in 2005 and I came down, I... I planned to hunt the entire season. I came down a few days early even. Uh, and that was in unit 221, 22, and 223. Uh, and I saw a lot of elk. And some fires had just come through. Uh, no big surprise, right? Nevada fires. Uh, but I was glassing those, those recent burns that were one to two years old. And the elk right on the edges of those. It was so predictable. Okay. There's going to be elk there in the morning. You, you weren't sure exactly where, but they were there. Uh, I ended up shooting a really nice bull uh, on the last day. Uh, it was not the, the great big bulls that I had seen. All the big bulls that I, I had saw on that hunt or seen on that hunt were broken up. I mean, like significantly broken, which that's something that happens when you have a high bull to cow ratio like you guys manage for in Nevada. So... It was truly a, a hunt of a lifetime to to get to go and do that. And, you know, it's virtually all public land. You, you see an elk, you just, you go after them. I, there's not, there's no trespassing signs and all this. And so me and some of friends from Washoe Valley and Carson City, they all met up with me there. And it was a, it was a remarkable time. And it just kind of drove home to me how special hunting in Nevada can be, whether you're a resident or a non-resident. And 
you guys put me in, I call it the penalty box, right? You guys, after you draw a tag, you get put in the penalty box. And that that's because I use that term because I'm a, a hockey fan. Uh, it's not, <laughs> so one time I used that term and someone thought it meant like you, you had a citation or a violation. And so you were banned or something. I'm like, no, no, no. They just have waiting periods. Uh, but I got out of the penalty box here a few years ago now. So I think I'm back up to, I don't know five or six points or something so so were you randy were you in the the 10-year waiting period or did, did you uh, benefit from the change from nope, 10 to 7 and now i did not benefit <laughs> from that i i got the full 10-year uh penalty because that would have been right that. when that change was made too right at the tail yep. end yeah yep. and when i saw that happening i'm like come on folks couldn't you have rolled <laughs> that back a couple of, we, this is a really good idea why didn't you think of it a few years earlier but you know what, with the demand that you have for your tags, uh, especially non-resident, I can see why you have to do that. And I could, you know, I, I'm not advocating for this, but if, if you made non-resident elk a once in a lifetime, I would understand why you would. Yeah, we're pretty spoiled, Randy. And uh, I was gonna say, like when a bull breaks, it's, uh, they're very lucky to, uh, a lot of old bulls have come from getting broken. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, you know, and for me, you're sitting there and you know, it's a great big bull. You're like, well, what do you do? Do, do you shoot it? No, you may as well wait until next year when it hopefully won't be broken. And, you know, you think about if he's that big this year, how big is he going to be next year? And, uh, so hopefully the following year in 2006, some of those big bulls I passed on, someone found them and, in full uh full what would you call it fully intact so i'm sure they did so the other thing i was gonna say randy is uh when you post on social media we can definitely i can feel the love for nevada when you uh whenever you post something about it it's it always comes through it can be a there was something a maybe a couple years ago when you posted just a picture of a barbed wire fence yeah and, uh, on one of your hunts and i remember that was just the, the way that you put it um definitely have a love for our state so we do oh that. yeah it's there the, anyone who hasn't experienced the beauty of nevada sunrises and sunsets uh nevada and arizona almost have cornered the market on amazing sunrises and sunsets and i'm not sure what it is if it's something to do with the more desert arid environment but uh it's just it's such a beautiful place and most people think of Nevada because they went to Vegas uh, yeah and my wife is from Vegas so I, I'm, I get to travel there frequently uh, but when you get away from you know those places people might think of and you get out to Elko County or White Pine County or Lander County or Austin or you know I, I could list them all off uh, you realize what a treasure you have in Nevada and uh, I was lucky enough to have those places to just go wander around as a starving college student. You know, it didn't cost me anything but a little bit of gas to be up on the Sheldon or up at Gerlach hunting chucker or whatever it might be over at Mason Valley hunting ducks. And uh, it's like, man, what an amazing place. So yeah, I got a lot of love for Nevada, Aaron. Yeah, and since we're, we're talking about elk too, I mean, you, you, you think you mentioned some of these places in White Pine and Elko County, but you get into the top of the Jarbage Mountains or 
the Shell Creek Range. I mean, that's that's truly elk country. You wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference between there and Wyoming. Just you can see those big long valleys in the distance, and that's how you know you're in Nevada. Yeah. Well, and those are the places I I talk about sanctuaries in in my rifle elk hunting courses, and the top of the Shell Creek, the a lot of your country you just mentioned it's like yeah sanctuary i define that as a place where i don't really want to have to carry an elk out of there that's a that's a sanctuary nevada has plenty of sanctuaries <laughs> so true yeah and that's fitting that you're at the oak foundation um because cody i know you've been doing a ton of work with elk foundation over in that country Maybe you could talk, touch on some of that habitat work that you've already done. Well, I mean, it, you know, Elk Foundation was instrumental in uh, the reintroduction of elk here, long-term management programs. Um, they've done a tremendous amount of work with habitat treatments, especially around Ely, in those um, really dense pinion juniper stringers, um, mastication, chainings, just lopping on the ground to really turn those habitats into something that's a little bit more productive for elk and the other species that are there. And then more recently, they've been very instrumental in the acquisition of conservation easements and, and even some private ranches that are changing hands. Um, and, and those are all places that are gonna be really important for our long-term plans here in the state for conserving elk. Um, so it's organizations like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, some of our local in, NGOs here in Nevada, Bighorns, Nevada Bighorns Unlimited and their partners. I mean, they're key to what we do. Um, and, and we wouldn't be where we are today without them. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of what our message is too, is the, the conservation efforts of the rank and file person in the hunting space is so remarkable. We went down and did a film with the fraternity of Desert Bighorn down in uh, Southern Nevada in the, is it the Muddy Mountains uh, in Unit 268? And you just see what an ethos exists in a lot of these people and how they donate so much of their time, their talent and their treasure. And that's how all these NGOs function, right? They, they can't do that kind of work without amazing people volunteering and and being generous with their time. And I, I always remind people conservation is going to be more expensive tomorrow than it is today. So let's get as much of it done today as we can and give generously as generously as you can, because we're all going to benefit from it. Very true. And Randy, we're down to our last few minutes. So um, is there anything else you want to tell Nevada hunters or hunters anywhere to get them to come to Nevada? Um, just any last words here? <laughs> well, uh, I would say it, it's kind of like a lot of things in life. You might have thought about it, but once you get a chance to do it, is the hook is set. You know, you, you, <laughs> you're going to say, how do I get more of it? It's uh it's just a remarkable place. It's a different landscape. The Great Basin is different than a lot of other places in our country. And, and you go there and if you immerse yourself in it, you're going to realize its beauty, its vastness and all it has to offer. So if you've ever thought about it, um, I would suggest you go and try it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're sending positive vibes your way. Hopefully you get 
your next elk tag soon. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I hope so, but something tells me you guys don't have any say in that. So I'll, uh, you know, it, it, I guess it's Nevada. So, right. It's just kind of like a luck of the draw. So we'll, we'll see. But, it's a, you got to look at it like a long-term investment, right? Yeah, like, exactly. especially in non, non-residents, we just don't have the, the, the opportunity for residents. So. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for the day I wake up and I see that my 20, whatever it is, two or 23 Nevada desert bighorn sheep points are gone. <laughs> I, I, that's, you know, if, if people say, well, what, what, what would you do if you didn't have any points? Well, I'd be celebrating. It means that they gave me a tag and I got to go hunting. So, but uh, no, you guys, please keep up the good work. Uh, keep managing by science. You, I don't know that you realize it, but a lot of the other agencies, my my home state of Montana, uh, the politicians seem to want to get their fingers in the mix more and more and more. And however you guys have structured it, the way that you all are doing it, you seem to be at least more insulated from that process than most of the other agencies and most of the other states. And I think that allows you guys to actually do your job. And I know you guys might be frustrated at times, or maybe the, the residents of Nevada are frustrated at times, but uh, it, it's all, <laughs> it's comparative. And, and in my mind, it, when I compare it to how good from top to bottom, the Nevada system works, it's uh it's one that we should other states should be looking towards to see how could we benefit from what you guys have have put in place cody anything to add well i mean i i gotta say thanks to randy for you know the flattering words you know as as a biologist here we we get it's it's a long process to get to where we get to every spring and to know that there's folks out there that that appreciate what we're doing i mean it that goes a long ways towards keeping us excited for the following year. But, um, you know, I got to say when I was growing up, I wanted to be a biologist, but now that we're sitting here talking to Randy, I think I just want to be Randy when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, so many people here at this event yesterday is out, uh, you know, just mingling with the crowd. And a lot of them ask me, how do I get your job? I, I, I tell them, I say, have a really good day job, you know, be a tax accountant like I was for 35 years. That, that's how you get a job like this. But uh, if you want it, Cody, it's yours. They're, right, they're about ready go. to they're about ready to put me out in the past year. So uh, I don't know about that. I, I don't think I have the radio voice that you do, Randy. <laughs> well, Randy, we appreciate you. Cody, thanks for being here. Everyone, check out randynewberg.com. So many great resources for hunters or anyone looking into getting into hunting, or if you just want to learn more about Randy, we all want to be him when we grow up. So (laughs) thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Of course. Thank you, everyone. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.